Welcome to the Game Raven Review Podcast. I am your host, Sam, and like I am every week, I am joined by some very talented individuals in the world of indie games. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about cozy games. But before we get into any of that, we're going to introduce the guests that I have this week, starting off with Victoria. Victoria, how are you? I'm doing well. Glad to have you. And then, as always, we have Taz. Heyo. And Puppet. Hey. How are you two lovely individuals? Good. About ready to play a bunch of Super Smash Brothers tonight, so that'll be fun. As the time of recording, I believe Sora is out. Uh, we got 27 minutes. <laughs> mm, close. Almost there. Taz is counting down the time. I literally have the Switch, the game, just like on me, on my person, just kind of waiting for it. So I'm... <laughs> going to be multitasking a little bit because I've been dreaming for this moment. I still haven't watched the thing you sent me, Sam, but I will definitely. Gotta learn those combos, man. Gotta learn the combos. And last but certainly not least, we have Emily. Emily, how are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm glad to be here. Excited to talk about some cozy games, my favorite kind of games. As you guys will see, my list is going to be a little shorter on that part, but we'll get to that. Um, thank you all for being here today, and we'll be right back with what we've been playing on the other side. Welcome back to the game Raven Review podcast with one of our main segments, pretty much what we've been playing for the week, which again, pretty much self-evident what we've been playing Um, since I have now, what's it, two weeks in a row, two weeks in a row have not played a thing, health reasons, tired, adulting. Um, We'll move on to all my lovely guests here this week. And let's start with Taz. Taz, what have you been playing? I've been playing Konosuba Fantastic Day still on mobile. Haven't missed a day. Um, they just came out with a fatty 1.7 gig update uh, for a uh, uh, kind of a uh, a rebuff of certain mechanics and kind of what you can see and identify certain things since launch. But um, so it's a nice good fixer upper, but as well as uh, a nice Halloween update with a little mini story. Uh, progressing through the main chapters as well. Um, uh, new new character pulls, so your favorite character's wearing like Halloween costumes and whatnot. So it's adorable, it's fun, it's like a pumpkin solstice type deal. You fight giant pumpkins, like like stacks, kind of like a, in like Super Mario, like, you know, those weird like, I don't even know what they were, they just like stacked up on each other and they like just kind of slowly move towards you. Kind of looks like that, but pumpkins. Um, but something new and fresh, uh, I believe that came out this week uh, on Spooky Saturday. I was streaming with a friend of mine uh, back for blood. That is kind of like a uh, if you haven't already heard of about it, it's kind of like a spiritual successor to uh, the Left for Dead um, series. Love the games. If you like like a, if you enjoy shooting zombies with three of your friends uh, and just just, you know, teaming it up together. 
destroying a bunch of zombies and like giant mutants and tense situations. Highly recommend this game. It is online. It's also cross platform, which is cool. Some cross play in there with PC, Xbox, PlayStation, what have you. Um, and uh, a lot of weapons. It's kind of running off of like a card system uh, in terms of abilities. So every time you go through a go through your campaign and you finish. Uh, so it's it's like subdivided into acts and each act has like different chapters that you can either stop playing after each chapter or like keep going. However, the, the little twist of it is um, once you go through a string of them, but you fail, you have to start your run completely over again. So there's a little twist in there. Uh, I feel I, I I got through a little bit more today. I think there's like chapter like like um, like checkpoints, if you will. But you only get so many continues with the squad you're running with. But once you guys all die a certain amount of times, then game over, start over, you know, buy, buy new cards, get new abilities, things like that. Upgrade cosmetics, both for weapon skins and your character skins. I believe there are seven or eight characters that you can unlock. Four of which are the starting ones, but then you can get more as you progress through the game. You can play it solo with bots or um, three randos or just invite some of your friends. Very, very friendly, very gamer friendly, because sometimes those games aren't like, uh, oh, you have to play with people, but you don't want to because sometimes people are annoying. Um, You can totally run a solo run change your difficulty however you want it. And then boom, you're there, which I love. I appreciate that. I don't like playing with randos, so um, but that has been a popping game uh, this last week. So that's what I've been playing. Again, randos are kind of the worst. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Emily, what have you been playing? I've been playing lately a couple games. Um, one of them is called Seasons After Fall. It's a really cute, colorful kind of 2D platformer puzzle game where you play a fox in the woods. And you use the seasons to solve puzzles and kind of traverse this magical area. Um, I started it a while ago and kind of stopped. So I'm picking it up again and um, just trying to finish it. Um, It's really fun. I'm not very good at it, but (laughs) some puzzle games I struggle with. Um, And this one has turned out to be one of them. Uh, Another game I'm playing, I started last night. I... I've had my eye on it for a while, and it just came out a couple of years ago. Um, it's called The Suicide of Rachel Foster. Uh, and it's basically if Firewatch met The Shining. Um, so you can imagine it's a pretty perfect game to play for October. You're basically stranded alone in this old hotel that's been ad- abandoned for a few years um, and there's a snowstorm outside and you can't leave. And the only person around is this voice on the radio. Um, and you're hearing all sorts of strange sounds. Things are disappearing and moving on their own. And it's kind of terrifying. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get straight up ax murdered. So uh, that's what I've been playing, <laughs> enjoying that one a lot. And I'm really itching to get back into it. Uh, I'm kind of terrified, but I'm I'm more curious than terrified. Ooh, this looks so good. It's very impressive graphically. It looks like it's a beautiful game, yeah. It is, and the sound design is very good. If you play it with headphones, it's 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 too scary almost. <laughs> oh my god. Cool. Mm-hmm. Emily always has the best like recommendations when it comes to indies. Might be a good game to play for Spooky Saturday. 
I'm thinking so. It's um, it's first person though, mm-hmm. and I have a hard time with first person, which makes I mean, <laughs> I love horror games, and a lot of them are first person. Um, because I get motion sick sometimes. It just depends on the game. Oh. This is kind of a slow moving game so far. I mean, oh cool, okay. <laughs> I might be running for my life later. I don't. I have no idea. But for right now, <laughs> she's just kind of walking slowly through hallways. So I think you might give it a try. You might be able to handle it. Cool. Okay, I definitely will. This does look dope, though. Like, oh, I'm very. There's one on one games. Okay. I color me impressed by the trailer that I just saw because it kind of gives me PT vibes a little. But again, in that Firewatch more animation. Yeah, and the music too. Again, I'm oh, like I'm just stuck in this house. <laughs> I want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm so sorry what happened to you, but I'm not going to be the one who solved this problem. Bye bye. Oh. All right, Victoria, what have you been playing? Yeah, so lately I have been. I'm actually uh, a part of this project right now. It's called the Cardomancy Anthology, where we're all working on designing games around the 22 major arcana. And so I've been having to do a lot of research on puzzle games. So I've been playing this. Uh, it's mobile, but it's also, I think it's it's mobile first, but you can also play it on PC. It's Laura Croft Go. And it's, um, it is, I'm trying to figure out how to describe it. it it's a turn-based puzzle game uh, that is actually very interesting. Um, and like, Naturally, you play Laura Croft from Tomb Raider, and each, like, the way that it works is, like, each time you move, um, like, a different space, sort of like you're in a board game, kind of like Mario Party, if you can imagine that. Uh, but oftentimes when you move to a particular space, uh, different things are activated. Like, sometimes there are cracks in the ground, or if you move to a particular space and a snake sees you, it comes and kills you. Uh and so there are lots of different things on the board. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to figure out, uh, you're like you're trying to get a like a revelation or a pif- or an epiphany about the puzzle, so you can figure out what you're missing the first time you see it around. Uh, but yeah, the initial time you take a look at it, so that way you can navigate through the board in the correct sequence to get past the puzzle. So that one is that game has actually been very fun, and there have been a lot of learnings that I've had from that one. Uh, I've also been playing Eastward, which is an indie game from a Shanghai developer that I first found out about a couple of years ago just because I saw the art and it has this like 18-bit uh, pixel art, retro art style with um, with a very unique color palette and very unique world building. It seems... Um, it's very dystopian in a way, and I remember when I saw the art, I, I knew immediately, I had said, I would play this game just purely based off of the art, I don't even care what type of game this is, uh, but uh, eventually Chucklefish, which is the publisher of Stardew Valley and many other games that I like, picked it up, and then I knew, oh, okay, this, this game is going to be great, and so recently uh, I purchased it in September, and I started playing it, and you play as two characters. There's this guy, this older man, John, and this child, and her name is Sam. And you live in this uh, mysterious underground world, and you can't go to the surface because of uh, this, like, 
thing called the miasma, which is this noxious black death uh, that is keeping everybody there. And so it's very interesting. Uh, the main character, John, you fight with a frying pan and there's a compelling story. It's very mysterious. I've been liking that game. And then I've also been playing Boyfriend Dungeon, which is a, it's a game where you date and romance your weapons, but also go through the dungeons fighting with them. So those have all been fun. Can you tell us more about Cardomancy? Because it sounds freaking amazing. Yes. So basically there was, um, I was a part of this, this group. I, I took a class in this group called uh, Code Coven, which is a, like they're a program that helps game developers of marginalized genders get into the industry. So they offer different types of programming, like uh, intro to game making courses where you learn how to make Unity or how to make games in Unity, which is a class that I took last year. Uh, they also have another thing called the Summer Program where uh, they get sponsorships from different game studios and they provide stipends to different people of marginalized genders who are interested in developing their game making skills and they all work together towards making a a project at the end of the summer and one of the instructors and also some of the members from code coven decided to come together to collaborate on the cardomancy project because they were really interested in some other game projects i think specifically uh, there was like an indie game anthology on Steam, and I think that there are also some zines that do anthologies where they have writings from different people in the same uh, anthology in a zine. So they took inspiration from that. Plus, they really like, uh, you you know, like witch stuff, like witchcraft and stuff like that. Um, cottagecore witchcraft type stuff is really popular among them and so uh, I think that's what inspired them to make an anthology that's tarot themed because each each uh, group of um, game makers gets a tarot card so my team has the empress card and so we have to make a game that is inspired by uh, what the empress card means in tarot but there are different teams that have one of each of the other 21 major arcana cards, and they're all going to be making games about those. So that's it so far. We're going to have a Kickstarter pretty soon. I think it's um, I think it's October 26. So next week on Tuesday, that's when it's launching. And uh, yeah, like I looked at the people who like the different people who are making the games, and there are a lot of really cool people, including the um, the people who created Boyfriend Dungeon are on one of the teams. They have the Emperor card, I think. And uh, also they're super, super indie people, people who are new to the industry. Uh, so I know that there are some developers who were a part of the Code Coven summer program, and they're newer to games, but they assembled a team of really ambitious people. So uh, I think we're going to have like a really cool and wide variety of games in that anthology. That is so awesome and amazing. So uh, October 26th, you said that's when it's coming to Kickstarter? Yes, I believe it's next week. Awesome. Yay. Thank you for sharing about that. I, um, a friend of mine tweeted about it because uh, she's working on it too. So I was super happy when you brought it up. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, like I said, lots of cool people working on it. <laughs> All right, and Puppet, let's finish up with you. What have you been playing? Well, I have also been playing Eastward. Um, I just, uh, I think I'm in the third chapter. And um, it's, yeah, 
Victoria, you really described it super well. Um, I've, I've been really impressed by it. I'm a big Zelda player, so um, I love the the uh, play style of this game. And it's just gorgeous. And um, yeah, it's, it's definitely taken up a good part of my life. <laughs> um, but it's shocking. There's some there's been some like shocking things that I'm like, oh, I OK, cool. This is happening. <laughs> so it's definitely surprised me, uh, which is really nice for a game, because um, I think I went in and I thought it was a certain th a certain way. And now that I'm in the game, it's very different. And uh, I enjoy that um, when I can be surprised by games. I'm trying to talk about this without like <laughs> letting go of any spoilers for any of you so if I sound very vague it's because I'm trying to be <laughs> but yes highly recommend Eastward amazing everybody's playing it I feel like and there's good reason because <laughs> it's so good um I would like to share with you all that I got married in Littlewood so uh me and Max are now married so that's fun and apparently when you get married that's the quote-unquote end of the game um, which I didn't realize, but there's still more content afterwards. So uh, I've been having a lot of fun with that. Um, I'm trying to get it as much Littlewood in as possible before um, the new Animal Crossing update comes out in November, coming up here soon, which we'll talk about more in a sec. But um, I also finished the game Inside, which I've been talking about the last couple weeks. And... Another shocking one. I don't want to give any kind of spoilers, but I just laughed so much. <laughs> and it was horrifying, but also just, I don't even know what to say. I don't know. Is there like a date for when it's okay to spoil something that's kind of older? Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. Okay, well, it's been <laughs> way more than two weeks. Popular opinion is that you wait two two weeks before kind of blasting stuff on social media at that point it's it's up to the people to like either avoid spoilers or actually go experience the thing but that's an overall rule sort of okay well um for those of you who have not played inside and if you are even thinking about playing inside i will give you a second to fast forward or you know turn down the volume for a sec as we talk about inside <laughs> okay um, okay, so basically, you're this, you know, you're this little kid, and he's, like, going through this dark warehouse place, and there's a bunch of workers, and they're, like, working on something, and you don't, you have no idea what this thing is, but you do know that there's some weird stuff happening. So, near the end, like, all of the workers go to this, like, it looks like they're at an aquarium or something, it's, like, this big tank, they're all looking in and you're like this little kid, so you can't really see. So you end up getting somehow finding your way inside of this tank and you get shot up into the water and all of your clothes fall off because of the <laughs> because of the like force of the water shooting you into this tank. And when that happened, I lost it. It was so funny. I was like, oh, my God, like this poor kid, like all these people are looking in this tank and he all of his clothes just fell off it's like it's like my worst nightmare you know like when you go to the water slides or something and you're just like oh my god i really hope my my swimsuit doesn't come off oh yeah totally happened to this kid felt so bad so then you start swimming around and then there's this awful like 
Emily, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, you called it a meatball. A lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's because <laughs> it's pretty much just like a meatball of like a bunch of people that they've all melded together. And apparently like um, so I had a, a couple like speedrunners in my chat when I was playing it and they said that the um, sound design for the meatball, I'll just call it a meatball. Um, they basically just recorded someone like stepping on the back of a bunch of like people piled up. Oh, my cat is here. Hi. Thank you. That's so nice. She just brought me a gift. I don't know if you can hear oh. her. She's so cute. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, sorry. Anyway, uh, yeah, and I don't know. Like you end up getting absorbed by this meatball, and it's it's horrifying for sure. But I just thought it was the funniest thing. I just could not stop laughing. Like, I'm that person who laughs during very inappropriate times during horror movies and such because I just think certain things are hilarious. And I just, <laughs> I just lost it. <laughs> anyway, so that was really fun and strange. Probably the strangest game I've ever played in my life. But gorgeous, beautiful, highly recommend. So, yeah. So there's that. Thank you again, Emily, for recommending that game to me. <laughs> Anytime. I got all the weird, scary ones. Yes, I love it. Um, another recommendation from Emily that I started playing is called Dying Flame, um, which has been fantastic. And Emily actually did um, a full review of Dying Flame that you guys can check out at our website, um, GameRavenReview.com. So go check that out, too. Um, it is, uh, you know what? I'm going to hold off because I'm going to be playing this for a while. So stay tuned for my thoughts on Dying Flame in later episodes. All right. I'm done talking. That's all my games that I'll talk about right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all for, again, giving the games that you've been playing. Again, I will get back to playing games probably this weekend. I make no promises. Um, but we'll be right back with the question of the week right after this. Welcome back to the Game Raven Review Podcast with our segment, Question of the Week. In our Discord, every day we ask a question. If you would like to join said Discord, you can go to GameRavenReview.com and a link for our Discord will be right on that page. So for this week, I pulled this question, because what's scarier than moral choices? Um, what are your opinions on moral choices? I'm going to start with Taz. We're talking about in games, right? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, love it. Love morality systems in games. Uh, some of my favorite games. Well, a, a, a good series to kind of like, even if you're kind of new to the, to the mechanic or the idea, uh, Fallout 3 
is kind of when it was really cemented for me. Um, all the other games have their own systems, but like uh, when it comes to uh, a, a morality system, it'll tell you, oh, you did a good thing or, oh, you did a bad thing. You did a good thing. Your little, little logo has a little angel halo. You do a bad thing. The little logo thing has like little devil stuff. But then it also like is incorporated in the world. So if people heard about the bad deeds you've done, they're neither like try to mess you up or like just say really rude things. Um, but then uh, it's also the opposite when you try to when you do if you do a perfect, beautiful, you know, godlike morality playthrough. People love you, give you free stuff, but also the bad people will target you more often. I think it just brings a twist to it. There's also it brings like more consequences, especially to decision based gaming. Um, I love the sense of consequence. I don't I'm not a fan of the whole like like willing. It just feels like. I, I don't know, maybe that's just me like being really biased to the system, to the mechanic, but it just feels like the NPCs have no value other than give me something or I'll just take it from you without any consequences or you'll just respawn later or something along those, those lines. That's why I was like, I don't know. I kind of hope there was a little bit more of a morality system in breath of the wild. I don't know why they're all going through their own thing, but I don't know. Um, but whereas in, you know, fallout and new Vegas and four and three and one on all those whole series, even in Skyrim, but that pretty prominent for it. It's just like, Oh man, like it, it, it and it's so difficult to it's it's just like it makes you feel a little bit extra because you play the game right and you beat it you're like all right i'm gonna do an evil playthrough some uh some 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 npc that you really care about or you're told to care about and you actually do comes up to you and it gives you the choice to be really nice to them neutral to them or just like slap the candy out of their hand it's really hard to slap the can the other hand. You know, they're innocent. They didn't do anything. They're having a tough life and you're trying to be a bad guy. And, and you make it's just, you know, mm -mm. you just you just end up doing a, a good person run. Again, for the millionth time, because you couldn't hang. Um, uh, I'm not I'm sorry, because I couldn't hang because I always am faced with that. So my opinion, love it. I need more of it. I would love if there was some kind of morality to link just running into your house and like stealing your pots and your coins. Yeah, right. I would love that. Just be like, you know, I don't think I'm going to help you, kid. You you stole my pot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's like, that's why in like, like Witcher 3, everyone hates you already. But like, you're just like, hey, I just helped you out. But I'm going to take all of your stuff. But you're just going to let me. There's no evil real interaction. You just take their stuff. I'm like, OK, what what is yeah. this? <laughs> I feel like that happens a lot in video games. Like you just it's it's just hilarious to me. You just walk into people's houses and you just take their stuff yeah, <laughs> or like you'll find like a chest or something that's just sitting out and, you know, finders keepers. <laughs> yeah. Link needs to be put in check. You can't just break all those pots without any consequences without <laughs> serving some time. You know, that's why Wind Waker was so shocking because it had never. Yes. There had never been consequences. And suddenly this guy's like, hey, you can't just break my pots. And I'm like. What do you I mean? can't. When did this start? <laughs> Since <Yes>. when? <laughs> Since when? <laughs> this is a Zelda game, right? All pots are mine to break. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the big shiny ones, like the ones you have. <laughs> <laughs> and since you find currency in them, like it is now my own hand cannon and probably somewhat of a fact. 
that this is just a thing people do. Like people keep money in those pots. And now Lincoln shows up, you're a thief. You, you, you thief. <laughs> like by, you by game three, like, yeah, you, you're doing this on purpose now. Like <laughs> you, you, you coming into my house, stealing my things. I dare you. You <laughs> yeah. know what? That pig man over there ain't too bad. <laughs> He's never stole my pots. <laughs> so there's this one game that I might have mentioned before, just maybe here on the podcast called Law Mage Academy. Have you heard of it? Mm, never. Law Mage Academy. Really great game. The upcoming, the upcoming spinoff. <laughs> never heard of it. Tell us about it, puppet. Yeah, Law Mage. Yeah, apparently it's made by one person um, who, who you might know, but probably not. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, in in Law Mage Academy, I thought that Jin or Vernius did a really wonderful job with moral choice and how it's uh, woven into the game. And um, the demo is out, everyone, and it is like a full game. Um, which is ridiculous. It's very good. So I will not give spoilers, but I will say that there at the end, there is a part where you are held accountable for your actions. And it pretty much calls out all of the things we're talking about where it's like, oh, is it, you know, is it really okay to do this? Like, oh, in real life, like, no, but this is a video game. So obviously I can do this. And then later on, you are held accountable for those things. And uh, like the village people are like, you did this and you did this. Like, why do you think this is okay? And you're like, whoa, (laughs) the things we do in video games, like we just don't give a second thought to it, but we would never do something like this in real life. And I just, I just think it's the most uh, brilliant way of uh, kind of taking down that fourth wall in a way. Um, and making you question your your own morals and how you act, like, as a player. <laughs> um, yeah, highly recommend. Again, the demo is free, so you guys can all go check it out. Um, and actually, it is the end of the the full demo as it is now. So um, there's part one and then part two. So at the end of part two is kind of when all of this happens. So just wanted to throw that one in there because... Um, yeah, it, it. I still think about it. It still got me. Like, <laughs> it's, it's very good. In public, while you're throwing things in there, how we throw in your opinion on moral choices? So I play, obviously, a lot of horror games. And so part of what makes horror games so good, like psychological horror, is this question of moral choice. And when you're placed into certain situations you have to make really difficult choices. And a lot of the times, if you make the moral choice, you are, there are consequences for the right choice, which is what's so horrifying, I guess, is like, wow, I have to make these bad choices and I, you know, I have to survive, you know? Um, So in the genre of like indie horror or like horror games, it's kind of flipped on its head a little bit. Um... But overall, like, I think I'm very different from you, Taz. Like, I um, I don't have a problem doing the, like, mean person playing through or whatever because I'm like, oh, this is just a game. Um, and it's interesting to see, like, I don't know. I, I'm weird. I like to see different reactions and different ways in which the developer, like, um, spun a different story depending on, like, who you are and how you act. Um, And I think the first time that I really started to 
like play with that idea was when I played bef- uh, Until Dawn the first time. Um, you know, first playthrough, I tried to do my best, tried to, you know, whatever, be the be the good person and take care of everybody. And then, you know, the second playthrough, it's just like, I don't care about any of you. <laughs> you all are kind of trash people anyway. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and I never thought I would be that way because I, you know, in real life, I always try to do the right thing. And it's like so important to me. I'm very passionate about that. Like, you know, but to have a space where, you know, you can, I don't know, express yourself differently or... Um, just be in a different situation and then in your real life not really have those moral consequences is just really interesting to me. Um, There's so much more I could dive in on the other side of it, um, Devil's Advocate, but I will, yeah, I'll I'll leave it there for now. Victoria. So yeah, related to moral choice, I think that oftentimes when I play games, I... I think of it as I'm in a fantasy world and I am role playing a different character where the decisions that I make as that character, uh, like my my morality alignment is different than my own personal character. Um, But I do think some games pose some really some really great questions on how you approach uh, tackling different challenges. So, for example, I didn't really think that in Breath of the Wild there were that many questions of moral choice. Uh, but my uh, my fiancé noticed while watching how I kill <laughs> different monsters in the game that, um, like, the way that I do it is, um, like, the way that I do it is, uh, what are the monsters in Breath of the Wild called again? Bokoblins? Uh, but basically, the way that I approach killing them is uh, usually there's a big skull that is their their uh, that's their central place. They probably live there and they hang out in there. And usually what I'll do is I'll climb on top of the skull and I'll get my bombs and I'll slowly drop them in the eyeballs of the skull. And, that was, you know, that was just like the way that I tackled all of them. There's so many of them and you have to kill them in the game in order to get chests and progress and stuff like that. And so, uh, yeah, my fa- my fiance noted, you know, hey, Victoria, the Bobokans, they're not doing anything to you. They're just having a blast. They're gathering together here and they have a bonfire and you're just coming in here and you're wrecking their homes, um, taking over their land. And I was like, what? Is that is that what I'm doing? But they're they're in my way. And then he said, "Are they really in your way? You know, like you don't actually have to necessarily fight all of them, right? Like I don't necessarily have to kill all of them unless it's on the critical path in the game where there's like a particular thing that I need from them um, to progress." Uh, but I thought that was a really interesting observation that he had because in Genshin Impact, which is you know it's like a similar game to Breath of the Wild. Um, there is another group of monsters that are similar to the Bobokans where they, they kind of just like represent uh, like native people in the world of Genshin Impact who are there. And we assume as players that because they're kind of evil looking and if we kill them, you know, their HP goes down and they give us prizes, we kind of view them as things that we should kill. And we don't really think about like who they are, or what they represent. Um, but I've been starting to question those things more and questioning monster design because uh, like 
are game designers just making shortcuts that are creating um like problematic shortcuts in people's minds like if we see somebody who looks evil does that make them evil and like how does that like how like what is that mean exactly uh but it's sort of difficult because in a video game you need to have you need a way to easily identify what your objective is and if your objective is combat like you need a way to figure out who you are supposed to fight um but i've been thinking about the dangers of those shortcuts that we are making and like uh I don't know. I don't know like where like where that's going, but that's just something I've been thinking related to moral choice. Uh the other game, did did somebody already talk about it? It's um did somebody already bring up Papers Please? No. no. Oh, okay. So uh Papers Please is another game that's entirely about uh moral choice because you play a border patrol agent or basically like somebody who reviews people's paper work as they're crossing the border and you either have to approve them to enter your fictional country of like Aristoka or something like that uh like a fictional Soviet Union country or you deny them and so what you have to do is you have to make sure that their paper all of their paperwork matches like their passport um their uh documents that say that they're approved to go in um and you have to catch and see if there are any if there's anything fake related to it. And so if you catch if you catch that their paperwork is is off and you deny them, then you do a good job at your job. But on the other hand, uh if you don't let them in, then those people die or starve or their family suffer and stuff like that. Um if you let them in, to your country, even though you observe that they have incorrect documents, if you get caught, then your pay, I believe, is docked, and then your family suffers. So, it's a, yeah, it's a very stressful game, but gives you a lot to think about, and it won a lot of awards uh, because it's it's very thought-provoking. I thought you were talking about the game Herr Palmister, which is coming out next year which is a very similar concept. You have to judge people like based on their, the lines of their palms. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is funny. Wait, what is it called? Hair palmister. Now I'm looking at my hands. Yeah. What does it mean? Emily will not be forgotten this week. Yay. Forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> what are your views on moral choices in games? You know, I saw this uh, question on the Discord and I didn't answer it because I don't know. I don't feel strongly one way or the other, to be honest. I always enjoy kind of the exercise of, because usually when I play a game, I'm, I play it as if I'm me in this world and I try to treat people the way I would treat people, which is, you know, kindly. Um, at least that's what I, that's what I aim for. So oh. when I get the option to be just a total jerk, I pretty much never take that route. Um, but the completionist in me is frustrated by this because I always wonder what, what, what would have happened if I'd chosen that? What, how would the game have changed? Do I need to play this game all over again? Three times, you know, uh, I enjoy making those choices. It usually is the, you know, the angel quote unquote choice, like the good choice. Um, yeah. 
I don't know. I don't have a, I don't have much else to say on that point other than it's just kind of to me an exercise of how do you treat someone in real life even though on the other hand the you know there are no consequences for this game for the people in this game. You're not really hurting anyone's feelings unless it's like an MMORPG or something like that. In that case you should always be you should always be nice. So, yeah, I don't know. That's all I got. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're fine. Again, these are your answers. There are no wrong answers to these questions. Um, guess I will go because I'm the one who actually picked this question. Um, meh. Um, <laughs> like for me, moral choices, as as a lot of you already said, is one of those like it kind of matters on the game, right? So, like, the first time I played Undertale, where you have your pacifist run or you're just going to be murdering everybody, like, the first time you play that game, if you accidentally kill the first person, that game just says, now you're a villain. And it's like, but I only killed the one, though. Like, that was a mistake. I didn't know. Did I have to restart this entire game because of that? And sure, it's early in the game. You can kind of just keep pressing, like, A or whatever to get past it. But it's still that that moral choice of, like, well guess i won't kill everyone then and i think that's the way that they want you to play the game which i'm like yeah that's fine at the same time i also do like people pointing at me saying oh there's that murderer with blood on his hands it's like yes fear me (laughs) um but again it just matters on the game like you talked about undertale you talked about until dawn where Mm -hmm. like that game i played differently i played until dawn as i was those people so, like, when I have Emily hanging off, like, I don't know, Strapnel or whatever she was hanging off of in that, like, cave, or what was it? Like, was it like a cave? It was like, like a, a mine. Yeah, something. It, it was a coal mine or something, and she's falling there, and I'm a kid with Letterman jacket on in college for whatever reason, and he's looking at her like, hey, did you kiss that boy? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, he would ask that, because you know what? He wants to know. I need, cl- he needs closure. He would ask that question as she's about to fall to her death and somehow still lives because I guess snow is soft. I don't know. Uh, but like in those kind of games, you kind of, for me, I want to play as those characters. I want to see where this goes because, again, for that one character, yeah, I he feels some kind of way about his girlfriend and his ex being in the same room and them sneaking off and hugging in the in the snow for some reason. I'm like, okay, yeah, these people want to have that kind of interaction and sure would i play through it again no it's 2021 and almost 22 i can just watch it online see other playthroughs of it i don't need to go through the 10 hours to play that game again uh also side note about until dawn i would have loved if they hit me like a a little spark note of just like hey now your choices matter because these people can die and you're like oh i didn't know that i did i thought (laughs) thought we were still just playing the game you guys didn't get me a you didn't tell me that I need to watch all these people. I feel like that when I'm playing a game where in the end it turns out that you're actually the villain. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, well, that yeah. makes sense. I, w- <laughs> I wish I would have known that, like, all of my actions were doing all of these terrible things, but okay. <laughs> like Ender's Game. Yes. Oh, no. I'm not going to go and elaborate because that's also a spoiler, a 10-year-old spoiler. I'm about to say like for a 10 year old. And speaking of 10 year old games and my last example, there was a video game came out in 2011. It was called Catherine. It was a block puzzle game that also had like an anime like story behind it as well. 
Um, but before you did like every level, it would ask you like a moral question, right? And when you look at the meter, the meter is your generic red versus blue. And most people, including myself, saw that as being bad versus good. That was not the moral choice they made you to ask, though. The meter was actually freedom versus chaos. And they don't tell you that until the literal end of the game. Of like, oh, yeah, you wanted to be all good and all that. Yeah, that's not what this was about. Like, you're literally choosing freedom versus a chaos law versus, again, the <laughs> bad choice. And like, some of the questions aren't even that horrible, really. Like, it took me a while to find these. It's which is a better life, long and dull or short and full? Well, that's the question you just answered. It's like, oh, maybe I want the long and dull one because I, I would like to live longer than, I don't know, whatever the short version of this is. But those are the questions they kind of gave you. And again, one of them is also like, do you think life begins or ends at marriage? Which I always found funny because at that time I was like in my early 20s. And I'm like, it ends. <laughs> but again, that was, a, that to me is like a good way of doing like a moral choice where you say which kind of, what kind of partners do you like? Do you like older or younger? Well, again, do you think that is a negative answer if you say younger? No, that's just your choice. And that to me is like a good way of getting like a moral choice out of the way where it's not good or bad. It's, this is again, freedom versus chaos. This is just, again, colors. Does it matter? No. But as a gamer, you see that red and you think, oh, that must be the bad choice. So I don't want to do the bad choice. I want to be a good boyfriend to my, spoiler alert, pregnant girlfriend. And yes, <gasps> it is mine because she makes it very clear. Because <laughs> he asks, like, is it mine? And she's like, fool, who do you think? You know what? I got time for you. But again, like, I like that. I, I enjoy playing that game, but I play the remake of it. No, I, I played it once. I'm good. I'm all right. Um, but yeah, moral choices. Again, these are our answers. Again, I think more choices are great as long as you do them well versus just giving someone like a yes or a no or like a good and bad. And you're like, well, that, that's not really a choice choice. But I don't know. What do you all think? If you would like to answer questions like this, again, join our Discord. You can look at a link at GameRavenReview.com. little picture there with probably like a little Discord logo right there for you. And we'll be right back with the main segment of the podcast right after this. Welcome back to the GURP podcast. You thought I would go a whole podcast without saying that? Ha 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 ha. You're wrong. Um, with our main topic, cozy games, I have a number of wonderful people here who have many of, of cozy games they play. And we're going to start with Emily. Emily, start off with your first cozy game you'd like to talk about. Okay. Um, I have a lot. I have a long list of cozy games that I love. So it was kind of hard to narrow it down. But uh, one of my favorites. One of my top favorites is Spiritfarer, developed by Thunder Lotus. 
Uh, it came out just last year, and it came out around the time I was kind of, you know, we were all sort of in captivity, as it were, um, because of COVID. So uh, it's just a really beautiful game in in every sense of the word. Um, essentially, you are you are the ferryman who takes spirits to the afterlife, but you kind of take your time with it. You can craft a, a ship, and you can cook and you can be a blacksmith and you can fish and do all sorts of things and the music and the animation and the artwork it's all just amazing so um and it's cozy very cozy all right and now starting with pub what's your first game well okay <laughs> i have to mention animal crossing um because i might have around a thousand hours in that game <laughs> so it's definitely been a cozy game for me i think um, I know Emily, you mentioned the pandemic, but um, when when things really shut down and the world started to get a little crazy, Animal Crossing came onto the scene like right at the right time for all of us. I feel like, <laughs> and I think what makes Animal Crossing such a wonderful, cozy game that is super calming, at least for me, in my anxiety about the world, is that um, it it's it's like our world. Like you can live on this Island and, um, you can forget about whatever is at home. And, you know, your, your biggest worry is this raccoon who is making you pay back debt. Um, but is also providing like so much for you. So I, I've really animal crossing has been close to my heart. And, um, I also needed to mention animal crossing because the free update, uh, and apparently a paid expansion is coming out on November 5th. And I am very much looking forward to it um, for a lot of reasons. I personally think it's completely changing the game. Like, it is a whole new game at this point um, because they're adding so much. And I'm a part of a, <laughs> I'm a, part of a Facebook group on, uh, on Facebook, and it's called, like, 25 Plus Animal Crossing. And there's just, like, a bunch of adults. <laughs> And this group who play Animal Crossing from all over the world, there's like thousands of, you know, uh, participants in this group. And um, I've been seeing a lot of people who have said, like, I'm going to start my game over because of this new update. Like, it's so different that either A, I just like terraform my entire island down to nothing and start from scratch, or I just start over. And so I think once November 5th hits, I'm going to start over my island and I will be lost in Animal Crossing once again. Um, but yeah, they're, yeah, they're, I think the most important thing that I'm most excited for is the cooking aspect that they're adding. Um, if you know me, I love cooking in games. I, uh, my number one piece of advice for all gamers is always bring snacks <laughs> everywhere. And, uh, when I saw that they had cooking and they have like actual farming in Animal Crossing, I got so freaking excited. So really looking forward to that. Um, yeah. So there you go. Animal Crossing, one of my cozy games. And next up, Taz. My first cozy game is a game called Moonlighter, developed by Digital Sun Games, released in May 29th, 2018. Um it's kind of it's so Moonlighter is a roguelite uh, shopkeeping game. Um, so it does have some action, right? Does have some action. Uh, Story is pretty much 
this uh, young character is now the shopkeeper in this um, town that you have to help kind of bring more other shops into the uh, from other like other merchants will come and specialize in different things, armors, items, things like that. But you're you're an overall merchant, right? You where do you get your supplies? You have to fight baddies in dungeons in the sacred dungeon that has multiple levels, multiple like starting points. And again, it's roguelite, so it, it randomizes every time you go into the dungeon. Um, the goal is really not to die, um, because when you feel like your your backpack's all full of good stuff, you can use your medallion to zip back over to the entrance of the of the cave, leave, go back to your shop at the end of the night, stock up your stuff, go to bed, wake up, and now you have a shop to run. Now you're in charge of sales. Now you got to price these things appropriately based on um, shoppers' reactions. It's like, oh, this is a super sweet deal, which means bump up the price. Or like, yo, this is whack. Why am I spending this much money? That's your hint to lower the price. Um, And it's a rinse and repeat type stuff. You get to see a lot of different items and equipment, and it specializes in kind of like your play style. So if you want to be, you want to, take a lot of hits and hit hard you can do that but you're a little slow you want to be more ranged you want to be more speedy but like you you can't take a hit but you can like go really fast go for it it does it and or you can do and that's based off of head chest and foot gear so you can mix and match however you please um but the cozy part portion comes in into where like everything's cute and adorable and it's kind of sort of top down a little bit at an angle um and uh and and like the creatures are like are are adorable, even though you kind of need their, you know, stuff to make a living. Um, it's just it's just it just feels good to kind of it's kind of it, it just feels good to kind of just that's that's a form of relaxing. Sure, does it get stressful? Absolutely, but there's no severe consequence to make it more stressful than it already is. There's no game over thing that pops up when you die. It's just like ah. Oh, you lost some stuff. You lost some coin. Better come back, sell what you can, and then go back out there. Um, so that is that is one of my go to cozy games when I'm feeling it. And Victoria. Yeah. So the game that I want to talk about is called Sunhaven, and it's uh, it's made by an indie studio, Pixel Sprout Studios. I think that this is their very first uh, very first game. The, the studio is founded by this guy named. Uh, Bruce and Sunhaven is uh, it's a unique take on the farming RPG sim genre. So growing up, I always loved playing Harvest Moon. I started playing uh, Harvest Moon, A Wonderful Life on GameCube. And uh, I think that like like a farming RPG, I want to make a distinction. I think it's very different than a simulator because in a farming simulator, you just grow your crops and that's the whole part of the game but i think like the distinguishing factor in a farming rpg is that it's not really just about the farming the farming is something that happens but what it's really about is your life on the farm and the relationships that you make the life that you have whereas you usually typically restore your 
uh, you know, run down little house and you grow your farm and your relationships with other people and stuff like that. So Sunhaven is, um, it's inspired by games like Harvest Moon and also like Stardew Valley. It's, uh, it's like a pixel art game. I don't know exactly like what, uh, like how many bits their pixel art is. I, I think it's like eight, like 16 by 16 or 18 by 18. Um, but uh, but anyways, in the game, you uh, it's basically like Harvest Moon. But what if you lived in a fantasy world where you can play as a mage or a craftsman or a warrior in addition to other roles like being a farmer or a miner uh, or a fisher? Um, you can also play as different races. So, of course, you could be a human, but you can also be a demon or an elf or an angel uh, or an elemental. Uh, and it has a very unique world where in addition to the main town, which is Sunhaven, it's like a medieval town, um, with lots of different people who are just like living their, their life in the town and they're like generic, uh, types of shops that you would normally see in that type of town. Uh, but there are also like two special places in the world. There's like a mythical elven town, uh, where the elves live in balance with nature. And then there's also a monster city called Withergate, which uh, I would just describe as like a Halloween magical fun town. <laughs> like if you like spooky vibes, Withergate is really cool because it's nighttime there and the aesthetic is very, very nice. It's more of like a nightlife magical vibe. Um, so this game, again, is... Uh, it has like the common core game loop that you would find in games like Harvest Moon and Stardew Valley, where you start with a house and a farm and you have a lot of different quests that you have to complete with the people in the town to progress the story. Um, and then, of course, you do you do the very wholesome tasks of farming and mining and fishing and like cooking and stuff like that. Uh, and then, of course, romancing other people in the town because you you want to be able to have that fulfilled um romantic life and stuff like that uh but uh but yeah it's an early access and i'm looking forward to uh having them release the full game i'm not sure when that's happening exactly uh but right now i know that they're very active with the people who are playing their game in early access like they take that feedback and they're using it to improve the game so so yeah sunhaven well i know where i'm gonna be hanging out for a while <laughs> yeah it like if you look at the art it's um it's uh you know like i just growing up i'd always play harvest moon over and over and over and then i remember the one time where there was a, a minor variation of harvest moon that i played it was a uh, rune factory rune factory is basically just harvest moon but what if you lived in a fantasy world and in addition to growing crops what if you fought in dungeons? And for a while, Rune Factory stopped making games for uh, like for the Nintendo consoles. There's a period of time where they only started making games for the DS or they were just like re-releasing old games that they would um, like improve the graphics for. Uh, but Rune Factory is also coming out with a new game, like Rune Factory 5. And I think it's for the Switch that's coming out next year. So this is a very exciting time for people who like farming RPGs. <laughs> Ooh, yes. I'm all about it. I wish Sarah were with us, too, because she loves them as well. All right. And we'll loop back to Emily. Emily, what's your second game? 
My second game is also about farming. Um, it was also back in 2020 I was introduced to this game. And really what I should have been doing while I was holed up at home for about a month with nothing to do was writing my book. But instead I played Farm Together. Uh, and it came out in 2018. And it's made by Milkstone Studios. And it's an online farming game, kind of a simulator. Um, you basically farm <laughs> and you can build houses and train stations. And there's just a, a huge number of crops you can plant. And they're always having events, online events. Um, I think I've logged, aside from Skyrim and Stardew Valley, I've logged more hours in this game than any other. I think it's the third the third most number of hours in any game. Um, so yeah, it's uh, really cute. You can have a little pet that follows you around um, and it goes through the seasons and depending on what season it is, it changes the kind of crops you can plant. Um, yeah, so that's my second. My second cozy game, it's kind of a go-to of mine, although I've kind of left it off for a while. Um, but you really don't have to think when you play it. You you don't have to really worry about anything other than what season am I in and what's the most, um, <laughs> what's the most profitable spot to start harvesting. And you can also visit other people's farms. Um, I spent a month designing my farm and I designed it the way I would design an actual farm. Like if it was something, a place that people could visit, I have like a corn maze, I have a petting zoo, uh, train station, orchards. It's yeah, I'm really proud of it. I have like a farmer's market. It's it's amazing. Um, I think it's Finidor Farms. If you ever play Farm Together, check it out. And Puppet, what's your second game? My second game is uh, another really popular one um, called Graveyard Keeper. Um, another farming simulator, but with dead bodies. <laughs> And I talked about it a little bit um, previously on another podcast, but I'll go into more depth with it. Um, it's by Lazy Bear Games, and it's uh, published by Tiny Build, and it came out in 2018. Um, and it's basically like a darker, spooky Stardew Valley, and I've been thoroughly enjoying it, um, especially during the spooky season. Um, basically, you're this guy who suddenly finds himself in this world and he is apparently the graveyard keeper that he finds out um, is his job in the village. And um, you meet this talking um, school head thing that is hilarious. Um, <laughs> and basically you learn how to process dead bodies and um, you sell the meat from the dead bodies to the... <laughs> to the local inn and it's what? kind of yep oh <laughs> oh my gosh sweeney todd yeah it's a it's a little sweeney todd-esque and um over time you learn to harvest you know more things like skin and organs and so on mm. um yeah <laughs> oh. but it's so cozy you guys the rain <laughs> sounds are amazing and I, it just makes me so happy. Um, and it's just so relaxing. If I could always play Graveyard Keeper, I would. <laughs> anyway, there you go. That's my, that's my second one. <laughs> no red flags there at all. Um, Taz, what is your second game? Uh, a second game is kind of under the radar, I feel like. Uh, it's a game called Autonauts, uh, developed by Denki. 
came out in fall 2019. Um, it is very it, it's it's hard to describe, actually. Obviously, you know, it's cozy game. We're talking about cozy games. Um, you, you pretty much you're this space person that lands on this planet and uh, you're in charge of getting more people on like it, you're 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 a soul uh what's the word i'm looking for not colonizer really because it's a barren planet uh, uh what's what's the word you're, you're trying to help out your family or there's no real story it's so hard to explain because it's so free right because it, it kind of with like with the game the game's title you land on the planet right you have to harvest stuff well it's an interesting take because in all of these kind of farming simulators and cozy games, you're you're you you have to do all the work, right? It's like you, you got you got to chop down the tree, you got to you know, mine the ore, you got to harvest the crops. It's lame. It sucks. It it can be like not repetitive. I don't want to say, but like in the in terms of like the game itself, your character is like, hmm, I'm gonna make robots do it. So you make the world and all the harvesting like as uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for audible no you're making robots do it but the the interesting take is you each robot has to do a different thing do a different task and it's kind of like has a familiar if anybody's familiar with like programming like tech and stuff um you make a, a robot harvest a tree you make the robot char- you, you give them an axe you're like here you go chop down trees in this space. That's all it does. So you have to cure another robot that takes the logs from one place to another, and that's its only job. It just grabs all the logs that fell. And then you have to get a third robot to also get the seeds and plant the seeds to regrow the trees. And then... But, oh, snap, that dude's axe just broke. Now what is he going to do? Well, if... And it's just an if-when-then type situation where if that happens then you have to have a robot that is constantly building up axes. So it'll just go to the place where it builds the axes, grab an axe, and it goes back to its business. And it's that whole thing over and over again. And it's, it's, it's I really liked it because I'm, you know, I'm a Virgo. You know, I like my organizing in my games. I like trying to, trying to keep things as, you know, as, as crispy clean as possible. And that's what I really liked about the game. Uh, it's just... It kind of had a different take to it. There's no real story. There's no dialogue. There's no nothing, really. It's pretty much... It's kind of like... I want to say like a drop-in world, kind of like Minecraft. You're given a little tutorial. Other than that, go, be, progress how as far as you can possibly go because the progression is on you. It's all on you. And uh, I really like it. I really enjoy it because there's no time constraints. There's no hassle. There's no like, oh, I got to get my pumpkin in before this day or else I'm screwed. No, it's just like, all right, well, I got to I got to make it better. How can I make it? It's it's a constant progression that I do enjoy. So highly recommend check it out. It's a little bit under the radar with all those bigger games, but it is nice and cozy if you like that kind of stuff. It sounds a lot like uh, this upcoming game called Neon Noodles. Ooh, where it's the same concept. You have these little like robots, but you're in a kitchen. And so you're trying to make food. And so you have to program them to make food uh and it's it's more it sounds like it's more puzzle based than the game you're talking about but um yeah it's uh it's also another good cozy game that 
I, I would recommend to you. I think you'd enjoy it. Oh, thanks. All right. And Victoria, your second game. Yeah. So my second game is called Unpacking. It's by Witchbeam Games and it's coming out pretty soon. I think they just announced that it's coming out November 2nd. And it is a game. It's a puzzle game where you unpack boxes. <laughs> uh, but um, it's uh, it actually tells a story over the course of many different years. So you start off um, and you like you don't really know who the main character is. All you see are boxes and a child's room. And you take the different pieces out of the boxes and you have to figure out like where in the room you're going to place these various objects. And the objects tell a story about who the character is you know like what types of stuff do they like um you know that they're a little bit artsy because you see a lot of different arts and crafts supplies they have stuffed animals they have trophies they have a soccer ball they have different particular types of um posters and then you continue to unpack boxes in this character's uh life at you know at different time points so the next time you start unpacking it seems to be when this uh when the main character is in college and you start to see oh okay well the stuff in the boxes there are lots of different new things here like the clothes that you have are different now you have a desktop computer um your items are less colorful, but you kept some of the things that you had from childhood. And so it's interesting to see what stuff uh, the character keeps in their boxes from from over the years and which ones they, they get rid of. And also seeing what those objects are saying about who the character uh, has become over the course of time. And then on top of that, it's, a, it's like a fun, but also slightly frustrating puzzle game because... Um, you know, like it, it could be very zen where you take stuff out of the boxes and you're like, great, I put this book in the, in a perfect place. Uh, but sometimes it can also give you a headache because I remember uh, I started playing uh, like the second level of the game is when you you're in college. And so you don't just have your bedroom. You also have a kitchen and a bathroom. And I remember getting a headache briefly because I could not... <laughs> I could not find this other shoe that I was looking for. I lost a toothbrush. I was looking all over the place and it felt very true to the moving experience. Um uh, but anyways, yeah, I think I think it's a it's a fun puzzle game and it's cool because Victoria Tran, who was uh she was a community director at Kit Fox Games, her boyfriend dungeon, and now she's the community director for Inner Sloth Games for Among Us. Uh, she is also doing some consultation work on uh, on unpacking. So, like, I think that if she saw potential in this game, uh, this indie wholesome game, I think that it, you know, people should definitely check it out. And we have one last game from Emily. Okay, this game I left for last because it's my favorite. To me, it's like the ultimate um, cozy game. It's called East Shade. It is made by East Shade Studios um, out of Seattle area, actually. It's a small indie uh, indie studio. And it came out in 2019. And essentially, I've heard someone explain it as Skyrim without the fighting. Um, and I'd say that's very true. It's You're essentially a wandering artist, and you travel to the island of East Shade um, to paint scenes that your mother, who's recently passed away, 
um, has said, you know, you always, you should go to East Shade. You have to go there. And when you go there, you need to paint these places. So the game is you wandering around this gorgeous island uh, with fantastic music, great graphics. You're just wandering and admiring the scenery and you you have an easel. You can paint scenes. You can sell your paintings. Uh, you meet people, solve puzzles. Um, well, I suppose solving puzzles isn't quite right, but there are mysteries for certain on this island um, to solve. And to me, it's kind of like my ideal life. I think in one of our questions of the week, it was where would you live in a video game if you could live anywhere? And I picked East Shade Island because it's so idyllic and peaceful and just beautiful. Um, and you wander as you wander through the game and meet people, you get inspiration and you can spend that inspiration to create paintings. And there are books you can read. You can go fishing. There's crafting. You can brew teas, all sorts of psychedelic teas, <laughs> which are fun. Um, yeah. And I'm just uh, so impressed with this game and just tickled that it's from a local developer. So I highly recommend East Shade for certain. Oh my god, this is gorgeous. Yeah. Wow. Definitely worth a play. Very cool. Well, thank you all for your suggested games. Hey, if you are listening want to, again, get some of these games, please do so. And again, join us and tell us if you like them or not. Um, but with this wrap up, I just want to thank all of you all for being here. My guest this week. And let's start with Victoria. Victoria, where can they find you on the social media? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Victoria Kanya. Uh, my last name is spelled C-A-N-A. And Emily. I'm only on Instagram. Uh, you can follow me at Adamanta Whitfoot. That's Adam Ant A Whitfoot. Puppet? I am Puppet Master N, that's Puppet Master E-N, and you can find me on all of the socials there and also on Twitch. I stream uh, indie demos on uh, Friday nights on our um, Game Raven Twitch channel, and um, I'm usually on my own channel throughout the weekend and part of the week, so come see me. And Taz. Uh, yes, you can find me at Devil 3 on all the social meds. Uh, I don't stream on Twitch anymore, but I will stream on the Game Raven Review Twitch channel still on Wednesdays, still same time, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, playing all the cool indies. There you go. Hope to see you then. And you can find me on all social media under Sam Said It DFW. And as always, if you would like to follow or look into anything Game Raven Review, you can find us on Twitter and Twitch under Game Raven Review and our website, GameRavenReview.com. And again, there is a link there to join our Discord. I hope you all have a fantastic week. And until next time, goodbye. game.